Welcome to Infinitely Rational, where we discuss the real eccentric and complex history of mathematics. Brought to you by Mathematical Expressions. I'm your host, Natalie, the resident math nerd. And I'm Kay, your researcher of weird things. In this episode, we'll answer the following questions. Does hair really have a life of its own? How can you get a girl in 10 or 2 days? What do either of these have to do with math? Let's find out! I am so excited that we get to talk about this mathematician for a host of reasons. Are you as excited as I am? I'm super excited. Hooray! So I am here for this entire group (laughs) of episodes about Girolamo Cardano. I am very excited. He's an Italian mathematician during the Renaissance who, among other things, was the first European to systematically use negative numbers. He actually even acknowledges the existence of imaginary numbers. Fancy. And he published a solution for cubic and quartic equations, as well as introduced binomial coefficients and the binomial theorem to Europe. That's great. I have no idea what you just said. Math, 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 math. <laughs> but on the bright side, I do know that he helped to solve part of the unfinished game for Fermat and Pascal, which is awesome. Yes, he was the one who realized that you actually had to calculate not how many rounds a player already won, but how many rounds they must still win, which is, of course, the whole crux of the entire One of the most game. confusing things. Yeah. You can check out the website or listen to that Fermat episode if you have forgotten what it is. But also, he invented, among other things, the Cardan suspension joint and drive shaft, or it's just the Cardan shaft. Yes, and these are, what's really cool about this is these are still widely used today. So this is a Mm -hmm. Renaissance mathematician who's not just kind of stood on the shoulders of giants and kind of been a giant for other people, but his stuff is still currently in production. And you know what? That uh, When I found out that the Cardin shaft mm-hmm. was something that he did, and I ran and I told my husband, actually, we were both sitting on the couch. There was no running involved. But um, I told him, I said, <laughs> I guess like what? the danger you've added in, though. <laughs> you should have said you also had scissors or something. <laughs> How dangerous. <laughs> uh, but so after I told him that, he w- then he got really interested. So he is also really excited about these episodes too. Not to be cliche. My husband also had the same reaction. He was like, oh my serious? gosh, it's this person? I had no idea this was related. <laughs> and then he spoke a bunch of, you know, car speak to yeah, me that same, I didn't same. understand. Yeah, I was like, I'm not here for don't, that. No. Don't even bother going down that road. Don't talk about cars That's a different math. podcast. Got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll explore that in the future. <laughs> Anyway, the reason I'm super excited and the reason, you know, we're we're kind of ramped up today <laughs> is we've been wanting to do Cardano for a really long time. We discovered him while we were doing uh, kind of Fermat and Pascal. And the reason we're excited is because he lived a life full of gambling, danger, intrigue. You know I'm here for divination. this. Divination. <laughs> Most exciting for me, though, personally as a researcher, <laughs> is that we don't just have to rely on other sources. Cardano himself wrote a sensational tell-all autobiography with excruciating detail. Excruciating detail. Including clothes. You know how I love clothes. And food. And food, yes. Clothes and food. My favorite thing. Correct. (laughs) And that book is entitled The Book of My Life. Already. I already said I'm here for this. I just need to reiterate how here for this I am. If I 
write my autobiography, which is probably coming soon. <laughs> that Look is- for it in bookstores. <laughs> That's what I am going to call my autobiography. The book of my life. That's plagiarism. Please read it just like that. You, I, I'm not going to say it that way, but also plagiarism. You can't just lift his title. The book of my life? You know, <laughs> how many times do people have the same title on their books? I know. I'm not plagiarizing the You know the book. someone out has it copyrighted That's- out there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, to give you a quick flavor of this man, because listeners, for us, he's like an old friend at this point. We know him so deeply. But to give you a flavor of what Cardano was like, not only was his life very, I mean, it was filled with crazy events, but he himself was really over the top. So this is what he says about his autobiography. My autobiography, however, is without any artifice, nor is it intended to instruct anyone. No instruction. No instruction. But being merely a story recounts my life, not tumultuous events. Which is ridiculous because his entire life is tumultuous events. Absolutely. But, you know, I appreciate this nice attempt at misdirection and or modesty. (laughs) Now, I think what he's trying to poke at is other biographers. This All this dude does is poke at other people. So I think he was trying to say, <laughs> everyone else writes their autobiographies, and they're only about the most important things that happen to them. That's not what my autobiography is. It's a total recounting of every moment that I lived, and it really is. Not just tumultuous events. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Including them, but not limited to. Okay, so... Tell us some of the chapter titles. Yeah, I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. I would never summarize a book by starting with the table of contents, except for the book of my life. So here are some of the greatest chapter titles I've ever heard. Certain traits of my parents. I love that. I'm going to talk some shade about my parents. Correct. Also, check this one out. A meditation on the perpetuation of my name. Well... Everyone has enough about their name to fill an entire chapter, right? I know I do. And I'm not even lying. I discuss my name all the time. My (laughs) name and my work email address because of it is so intense. Because first of all, it has an H in it. Then I hyphenated. Then my work email made me put in my middle initial. The H pushes it over the top. It's just ridiculous. Also, so do you. You hate how your name is spelled. It's true. But, you know, we didn't have any choice in it. So we can't really be blamed. (laughs) Which is what... He can be blamed. Why is he the worst? Because there's someone outside delivering a package. And I knew it too, so I was trying to slow down. Wait. We'll just wait for this to pass. Good boy. You did it. Thank you for protecting us, sir. Thank you. He's like, no problem. So let's see. Um, The next one is customs, vices, and errors. Concerning my enemies and rivals, <laughs> That's good followed one. by calumny, defamations, and treachery of my unjust accusers. <laughs> we're we're getting into fantasy book here at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but on the bright side, he also has a chapter on those things in which I take pleasure. And then, unfortunately, right back into the disasters of my sons, followed by. Perils, accidents, and manifold, diverse, and persistent treacheries. 
I'm sensing a theme here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know all of those would be in my book, too. I, I like that he has to have treachery and then later on persistent, persistent <laughs> treacheries because there's a difference. They're really... Well, because, you know, there are problems uh-huh. and then there are ongoing problems. It's true. It's yeah. true. So, but again, on the bright side, uh-huh. he has a chapter on honors. Unfortunately, it's followed swiftly by a chapter on dishonors. <laughs> But on the bright side again, the avenging of my son. This guy's the best. I would avenge (laughs) someone too. You're dying to avenge someone. Yeah, I just, I don't have anyone to avenge. Like, I have to like them a lot first. (laughs) And then someone has to do something to them that is worthy of them being avenged. True. This this sounds a little superhero-y, which is great because later (laughs) on we'll find out he dips into this. Uh, So his next chapter, which... I I mean, it just sounds great. Things absolutely supernatural. Absolutely. No question <laughs> about it. Supernatural for sure. Followed by, and this is the epilogue, which I, I think is a great way to end anyone's autobiography or book. Any I book. just, this guy, one, I want to have this much confidence. I love it. Right? In fact, listeners, several times throughout these episodes, I think we're just going to have to read straight up quotes out of this book for you because there is no other way to They're phrase too it. Good. Right. Also, I don't know how to interpret it other than how he said it. If Cardano had some sort of social media, a Twitter account or something, <laughs> it would be the most looked at, listened to, you know, podcast everything. I would be there Pe- for that. Yeah, it would be viral every moment of every day. Despite that though, although it would be viral and very interesting. He also really, really needed an editor. I mean, severely. Because <laughs> his autobiography, I don't, listeners, I don't think you're ready for it. He recounts what seems like every single bodily action he has <laughs> from sweating to it's clearing so his throat. I mean, I know everything about this man. Absolutely everything. So those were not the tumultuous events. <laughs> no, that's that's the every breath he took recounting of his life um and what's interesting is we go from these mathematicians who we've only had the telephone game to hear about them to this guy who is there's no mystery we know everything that's ever happened literally no mystery yeah i mean he commits a chapter and a full page as well sprinkling throughout Mm -hmm. the whole autobiography just about things he likes to eat which i know you loved i did but i mean he's italian so is this really unexpected fair point But, you know, I will say, having read that chapter, I do not agree with all of his assertions. (laughs) Well, and, you know, a lot of it, I wouldn't even think to have put together. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) It's okay. I will address it in my autobiography. Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) And you'll cite him. Yes. And talk about where he went astray. Correct. Correct. Good. He's also forever contradicting himself. So he'll say, for example, he's gifted with foresight so he can tell the future, right? (laughs) But then in the very next sentence, he'll be like, yeah, I didn't see that coming. Or he'll say he's terrible with people. But then he'll turn around and say, no, 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 no. I am so patient and generous. Oh, yeah. Brimming with love for the human race. He'll say that he has guardian angels watching he knows for sure without a doubt that his guardian angels looking (laughs) over him but then all he talks about through his entire autobiography are his misfortunes and tumultuous events yeah but listen most importantly he was drama from literally the day of his birth (laughs) until the day of his death side note fun fact 
<laughs> he and I share a birthday. Wow. And in case I haven't mentioned, I am here for this. And I need to know, am I equally dramatic? Because I aspire to be. Listeners, please tell us what you think. <laughs> Once you've listened to all three of these, <laughs> is our mathematician just as <laughs> drama-filled <laughs> as Cardano or above or below? Less than, greater than, equal to. Please let us know. Nice using the math symbols. Right? I'm learning some things. Yes. Okay. So, actually, for once, you are not exaggerating. He really- Already, he I know really, what you're voting for. He really is <laughs> drama from birth <laughs> to death. So, let's start with his dramatic birth. So, his father, who- I know you recently have this great love of Italy and all things Italian. So you I'll let you say right. his name. Fazio. <laughs> his father had an affair with a younger widow who had three children and she got pregnant. Intrigue. It is. But after she gets pregnant with him, the plague hits Milan. Where she is. <laughs> and then his father. Fazio. Mo- correct. Thank you. <laughs> moves her. Somewhere nearby him with wealthy friends so she can safely give birth. But it turns out that the first three children that the woman had when she left in Milan, mm-hmm. they all died of the plague. Drama! Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so far, right, we have an affair, a pregnancy, having a child, you know, undercover somewhere mm-hmm. else from her hometown, mm-hmm. and then her children die of the plague. This is like a TV show. This is incredible. He's not even born yet. And this is all the drama that surrounds him. So he says that luckily, because of Mars and the moon Mm -hmm. and where they are currently positioned when he is born, he (laughs) he was nearly born a monster, but he wasn't. Thank God. Yeah, he was saved by Virgo and Mercury's positions. I appreciate that he's got all his astrological signs set up. He just knows... Oh, man, this was paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of astrological (laughs) movements. And this thing could have meant that he was a monster, but this other thing could have meant he was fine. You could buy books online about the position of the stars at your birth and what that means for you your whole entire life. And I got to be honest with you, I've never done that because I was always concerned that I what if I read something and then I'd be like, it's like self-fulfilling prophecy, yes. you know? So I was like, now nah, I'm going to live my life and be surprised every day of it. Well, what's weird is, and we'll talk more about this going forward, but mm-hmm. Cardano really bought into stuff and then also wholesale said he did not. <laughs> so on one hand, he'll say, I'm not into witchcraft or, or enchantments or this, that, or the other thing. But also astrology is really important. It's real. It's based <laughs> in fact. So by the way, if if the positioning of the stars and the plague and all these other things were not enough drama for you, uh-huh. he nearly died during birth. I am so glad he didn't. He had so much more life to live. But the reason he almost died, and I've never I've never heard of such a thing, but he nearly died because he had such luxurious black curls. These mm-hmm. gorgeous locks, like head and shoulders, like commercial, like <laughs> herbal <teeth>. essences, <laughs> that kind of hair. He had so much when he was born that uh-huh. it nearly suffocated him during birth. Hair treachery. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm surprised that's not a chapter. <laughs> I'm surprised that's not the first chapter in his autobiography. Right? You know, I have curly hair and I agree that my curly hair, those curls have a life of their own. 
<laughs> will I have a good hair day? Will I not have a good hair day? I don't know. It's not up to me. It's really up to my hair. And you know, sometimes it most definitely is treacherous. So it's kind of mm. like Little Shop of Horrors, but it's like Little Salon of Horrors. <laughs> it comes out it's like feed me that, that's the same thing about your hair and his hair so clearly you are linked together in destiny <laughs> anyway so he's nearly strangled to death or suffocated one of these things mm-hmm. by his luxurious hair sure but get this he he survives but thank he, god yeah but he needs to be thank venus and mercury <laughs> virgo yes yeah mercury and virgo yeah exactly so he needs to be revived Mm -hmm. in a bath of warm wine which Uh might have been fatal to any other child (laughs) might have been (laughs) i know the first thing that we do now in hospitals when a child comes out not breathing is douse them in warm wine they have it ready on the side just in case and then by the way just to add on to that and aside Again, because he has excruciating detail and everything. We find out that later on, he he also recounts how he was bathed in warm vinegar. Okay, two points here. So, you know, wine, when it turns, essentially is vinegar. So, was it the same <laughs> bottle? It just got left out right. for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, so it's like, okay, this and then that other thing. But secondly, I know Anderson Fairy Tales always says, like, baths of milk and honey or whatever oh, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. But what is it with this guy and bathing in various <laughs> liquids I mean, he's born and bathed in deadly, allegedly wine, <laughs> less than a month old, and then in vinegar. I mean, did they just use whatever liquid they had handy? It was like, oh, grab the, what What we have? Wine, wine, because what respect- We're not going to drink that cheap one. Don't use that bottle. What <laughs> Italian does not have wine? It's true. You know, that's a really good point in the fairy tales when they're bathed in like milk and honey. Yes. Those are generally princesses and princes. And it, it, I'm it kinda... thinking right now of the story, The Seven Little Men in the Woods, by the way. So there you go. Mm-hmm. But generally, the good people are bathed in this yes. way. He's bathed in old wine and, and vinegar. Nasty vinegar. Which would explain perhaps why he turned out the way that he did. <laughs> A new baby is usually a cause for celebration, but there's so much uncertainty. How can you know for sure that your child will be born human and not a tentacled monstrosity? The planets know. Gyal Mercury day in a retrograde. The Libwai won't be human, but the baby hair won't go and be so long and won't strangle her. Make sure you have the clippers ready, gal. Planetary rotation and star placement, in combination with secret mathematical computations, are used to calculate your bundle of joy's arrival. Soak in some warm wine. No man, not the expensive stuff. The moon day in the seventh house. The all-knowing stars, the eternal planets, the galaxy has the answers. Call today. But anyway, uh, so. I think, you know, I'm going to pause here and say, I really love how you <laughs> reenact his quotes. So I think from here on out, for as, as much as we can, I'm going to ask you to read out any quotes of his I that will, we have. I will take up the mantle and do the best I can to remain true to his memory. <laughs> I will do this for us. Fantastic. So so let's begin, right? Okay. So luckily he... Are you ready for this? He did not deviate from the human form. (laughs) Why am I like this as a person? He was born a human. Uh, In (laughs) fact, the only issue he had in this Lovecraftian-like birth that he (laughs) describes, again, in detail, 
was he was apparently maimed in the genitals. <laughs> A direct quote, guys. Right. I don't know what the hair had to do with that. But anyway, that happened. And this maiming wasn't fixed or healed until he was 31. Wait, but is this like his uncle or whoever it was that had his sight restored at 80? Like this guy's genitals were restored at 31. Does stuff like this run in the family where you just get better the older you get? Like wine, like wine! <laughs> That's a great point. Yes. So let's get right into his family, actually. So it does run in his family. His family <laughs> seems to have body parts and other things drop off and then suddenly miraculously Reappear. come back throughout his life. Uh, so the person who you're talking about is his cousin. And his cousin had sons at 80, which, by the way, what? if you think about the life expectancy no. of this period, 80. Most people weren't living until that point anyway so he had he had sons at 80 and at that point uh -huh. that same year he miraculously recovers his sight but was he like blind his whole life i think we can assume some of it but it doesn't say he was blind all his <laughs> life anyway so he also said that he heard that his cousin's kids who he you know he, he had them at 80 that they became giants but i don't know if it's in height or deed I think it has to be height because he says in his in the book of my life, mm -hmm. he says that the kids are feeble <laughs> as if with their father's senility. I mean, this guy is great. Yeah. Family reunions mm. must have been so fun with this dude. Anyway, let's move on. So that's his cousins, uh -huh. right? So he has a grandfather. Uh -huh. And when he describes his grandfather, he says, this same grandfather was in prison. At a slightly different age from my own when I was in prison, <laughs> although each of us was in his 70th year. Keeping up the family tradition. Also, he's so cavalier. All of us peeps love the jailhouse also when we're old. Oh, yeah, 70. Yes. That's exactly what I was just going to say. So jail followed swiftly by having children <laughs> at 80. <laughs> swiftly as in a decade later. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on. So his, his father and mother. Fazio. Right? So we're going from the far out branches uh -huh. of the family tree and we're slowly coming in to Cardano. We're funneling in. <laughs> Correct. So his father. Fazio. Thank you. His father went around dressed in a purple cloak, which was weird for his community. So like Dumbledore. Pretty much. Old Dumbledore, not Jude Law Dumbledore. Right, not nice three-piece yeah. suit. Dumbledore. Dapper Dumbledore. Yeah, no, no, no. We're talking about much later when he really got his fashion sense. <laughs> and in addition to his purple cloak, uh -huh. he had a black skull cap because of an injury as a kid. It wasn't a fashion oh choice. And the injury meant that he actually had parts of his bone, like his skull, removed. So he couldn't actually be without, without his skull, skull cap. cap. Yeah. Well, Gross. at least we know... Why the skullcap was mentioned. True. Again, clothes. I'm here for this. I'm so glad we have this firsthand knowledge of what he wore. And I appreciate that he felt the need to mention both the purple cloak and the black skullcap because the color scheme is so very Darkwing Duck. I really should have done a control F on his autobiography and found how many times they talked about cloaks. But... Um, yeah, a majority, I feel like, of his autobiography is either talking about cloaks or teeth or urine, which we'll get into <laughs> later. <laughs> so anyway, he to go back to his father, he shares some more important pieces of information uh -huh. about him. So his father stammered. He had a stammer. Mm -hmm. And also, get this, his father could see at night. 
Shout out to Hypatia, which one of, you know, she had winged eyes. Winged eyes. Could see at night. This is just confirmation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Also, less fortunately, he lost all his teeth by 55. Pause. He lost parts of his body as he as he got older, but others were Correct. gaining things. So did he get anything back in return? Like maybe his eyesight or other parts? <laughs> I'm afraid it doesn't say, Dumb. but it does tell us later how uh-huh. he lost his teeth, but I'm not going to reveal it yet. A teaser. Yes. He does. Uh, he does talk about his father and say that he liked Euclid. I mean, all the cool people are acquainted with his works. We will be soon. Sure. And it wasn't even just kind of a passing interest. He he says that his father's he's his father studied so much uh-huh. that his shoulders actually became rounded over time. Also, his dad regularly chit chatted with Leonardo da Vinci about geometry. Pause. Pausing. The Leonardo da Vinci. The Leo. He talked with him mm-hmm. regularly. Mm-hmm. They were bros. They were just, they were in the About same geometry. place. That is amazing mm-hmm. to me. Okay. Sorry. I just have to take a moment. It's like three degrees of separation between <laughs> us now and Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> it's like our, our, what is it? Our, our da Vinci number is yes. like three. I love it. So anyway... He shifts then from talking about his father to briefly talk about his mother. And when I say briefly, it's probably the least amount of words he spends on anything. Can I tell Can I tell you what, or can I tell our listeners what Please. he says? Okay. He describes her as a fat, devout little woman. Not extraordinarily kind. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely not. And that's pretty much the beginning and end of what he says about her. He does say both parents have really fiery tempers and they're very inconsistent. Not like him at all. No, no, definitely Apple not. Apple fell so far from the tree. Super far. Also, they say that uh, he says that they're inconsistent even in loving him. <laughs> um, but then, in the, of course, in true Cardano. Certain traits of my parents. Correct. In true Cardano form, he then uh. goes on and say, but also actually they spoiled him. Uh, my dad let me stay in bed until after 8 a.m. And he finishes this whole traits of my parents deal uh, by saying that he he really preferred his father because he thought he was more loving. So so just to summarize, my parents are the worst, but my dad said I could sleep in. So I guess he's cool. I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> Why does this remind me? This just feels like something Kylo Ren would say or or maybe emo Kylo <laughs> Ren. I don't know because in my head, they're the same. Great. Now I have that in my head and that's all I'm going to hear when you're reading the quotes <laughs> out. <laughs> Tune in for a new episode of Cardano's Family Circus Thursday night. Meet a man who had children at 80 and his sons who were legally classified as giants. See the short, devout little woman and her husband who survived a traumatic childhood head injury, only to discover he could see at night. Join us Thursday for another exciting episode. Okay, so to zoom in a little further uh-huh. on Cardano, uh-huh. let's move on to his wife. Okay, so you want me to say her name? Please. I'm going to say it. Please. Here it comes. He married a woman named Lucia Bandarini of Sacco. That was lovely. I don't know if it's right, but it sounded good. Well, I asked, so in preparation for this episode, as you know, I'm learning Italian, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to make sure I pronounced these people's names correctly. So I asked my friend who is a native Italian, and she said that it was correct. Wow, look at you fact checking. (laughs) I'm so proud of you right now. Yay, I've learned so much from you. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, let's talk about because of course it's not normal uh-huh. how he meets his wife, right? Nothing in his Nothing. life is normal. Tumultuous. So before he meets his wife, he has this prophetic dream where he sees this gorgeous girl and he just wants to be with her. Mm-hmm. And anyway, like the dream ends really badly. But regardless, <laughs> the next day. <laughs> He actually sees her uh-huh. uh, from the street. I guess he was looking in her window or something. I don't know. Not creepy at all. Not creepy. Uh, <laughs> to, to add to the not creepiness, his first thought is, okay, how can I be with her? Uh-huh. Maybe I can try and seduce her. Or another option is I could abduct her. Perfectly reasonable <laughs> options. <laughs> perfectly reasonable but he says you know these probably aren't the best options because her dad is in the militia i just why is this his first thought this is like (laughs) dial it up to a hundred right he hasn't even spoken with this girl yet so i'm going to seduce or abduct her those are the only options for me obviously but it's because he was consumed with passion (laughs) so he decides to pursue her actually cool there wasn't any drama she liked him too turns out he didn't need to abduct her (laughs) right thank god also her parents were happy about it so it all worked out (laughs) very odd very much against his dream but it might come true later on in his life we'll see (laughs) so he gets married right Mm -hmm. to his dream woman yeah sure which as an aside, all he talks about in his biography is, or sorry, autobiography, is how his marriage was doomed for failure and all these things. But he never says that they actually had any problems. All his m- misfortunes come from his children. But anyway, I'm sure it was wonderful <laughs> to live with. So let's move on to his children. He had two sons mm-hmm. and a daughter. And how does he describe his feelings for his kids? insane love not normal love insane not parental love Mm-mm. not intense love insane insane love also his oldest son Giambattista looked like Cardano's father except he says the lad was quicker with his tongue <laughs> in other words my kid's a turd <laughs> so I'm gonna just summarize here his description of his son his mm-hmm. oldest son uh, he also, in addition to, you know, my kid's a jerk, <laughs> he also describes him as being a hunchback kid, deaf in oh, one ear, with connected toes and white restless eyes. Who He's describes a their child yeah. like this? Well, wait till you hear how he describes himself. I mean, so. it's, it's the opposite of, you know, like people show you their baby pictures, <laughs> you know, like, look at my cute child. And you're like, yes, adorable, because what do you say? But right. it, they all look kind of the same. Like, I hate to say that. It's but, so true, though, you know, especially in the beginning. <laughs> But then they grow into being cute people. Right. So anyway, I want to talk about this son for a bit, though. He ends up marrying a woman named Brandonia di Seroni. Her and her family, they actually tried extorting Giambattista and Cardano. What a winner. Yes. So then she publicly mocked her husband for not being the father of their three wow. children. <laughs> and so then, wait, wait, I'm just going to drop a bomb. You know how I like saying these sentences and I I finish it and you're like, ah! Like, that was the end I'm of ready. it? Okay. Dude, he poisoned her and then confessed. <laughs> so he couldn't even keep it to himself. He's like, yeah, no, she deserved it. <laughs> I definitely did poison that woman. <laughs> I couldn't stand she her. She was the worst. She really was the worst, though. And by the way, listeners, I'm sure you're thinking, well, I'm, this is from his autobiography, so I'm sure this guy is, you know, twisting things. But no, other sources confirm this woman was as horrible 
as he suggests that she I was. I mean, we did not only use his autobiography as a source. Correct. We made sure to confirm some of these mm-hmm. things that seemed a little outlandish. Because seriously, some of the stuff this guy said, there's just, there's Beyond no belief. Way. Beyond belief. Anyway. I could scarcely believe it. True. <laughs> so his son gets locked up, mm-hmm. clearly, because <laughs> he poisoned his wife and killed her. So he does his best to help his son, right? Yeah. He hires lawyers and all these things. But I mean, the dude already confessed. Right. What, what are you going to do? do? Yeah. And I'm sure the interrogation techniques did not lend themselves to him going back on his confession. Dude, have you read? So there's this book called The Monster of Florence, which, by the way, is an amazing book. But it talks about the Italian justice system and even gets into like the Amanda Knox I story. can't imagine. It is intense. But so. yeah, so I mean, so clearly this guy, I mean, he already had his, his future was written out, yeah. you know? So the judge, uh-huh. he, he tries to give them an out. He mm-hmm. says, okay, look, Cardano, you can go to her family mm-hmm. and try and make amends. See like what kind of restitution kind yeah. of that you can make to them. And then if you can figure that out, then we can let him go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but unfortunately, yeah, her, her family wasn't. Uh, they were not amenable to that <laughs> um, after their daughter got poisoned. Plus, they were trying to extort him from the beginning. Right, yeah, they were in on it. So they ask for a number they know he can't possibly ever ever pay. And so, what happened then to his son? His son was tortured. They mm. cut off his left hand, and finally, he was beheaded. Did they really need to cut his hand off before they beheaded him? <laughs> I mean, there was no cause for that. Really? Like, really? I mean, he didn't steal. Like, isn't that what you do for thieves? I thought the same thing. I was immediately <laughs> thinking like Aladdin. I was yes! like, why did, <laughs> why did he get his hand cut off? I, I guess I didn't do enough research into the Italian justice system in the Renaissance and why they might cut a dude's hand up. Maybe for poisoning. I, no, I, I yeah. can't. And see And he had why. confessed. Like they yes! weren't trying to get a confession out of him. He had already said it. I just yeah, and. Uh, they followed with beheading. Lead right. with that. Lead right. with that. Right. I mean, that kind of takes care of it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, sadly, this incident scars Cardano. Mm-hmm. And it also, it doesn't just emotionally scar him, but he loses his post because of it. Because, you yeah, know, because now, he's you've the, got this drama in your family. Exactly. You've got a son who poisoned his wife. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, like, he can't even go out in society. So they have to move away, which we've talked about how mm-hmm. much of a big deal it is to have to move right. away from a place. And so he he actually takes his two, two of his grandchildren from this son uh-huh. and he takes them to raise. Uh-huh. But his granddaughter and grandson both die. Tumultuous events. He doesn't even go into how they died. He doesn't really say. And he also says the baby's nurse died. Oh, my gosh. Like, now I'm like, did you poison them? Those right? Or? I'm so confused. Because, again, he tells us people get poisoned uh-huh. and that things hit them and that, you know, they had accidents in carts. He, I mean, he I tells mean, us he about everything. He recounts everything in exhaustive detail, more than we ever want to know. And then he's like, also, these randos died. Pretty much. Yeah, he just doesn't even discuss it. You know, so his other son, Aldo, mm-hmm. was an even worse gambler than he was. Than, than Cardano, Cardano was. Yeah, all about the gambling. Oh, yeah. So the other son, he lost everything he owned. <laughs> and so he broke into his dad's house and he stole cash and jewelry. So you got to think here. You've Another got, winning son. Correct, right? You've got the poisoner and then you've got the like the thief. And I guess it wasn't like the dude who broke into Pythagoras's house and like fled <laughs> refusing to speak of the horrors he saw. Right. But so, yeah. Uh-huh. 
okay, so I feel really bad for Cardano at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, his favorite son. And he does say, by the way, <laughs> that it's his favorite son. Poisons a woman, gets his hand chopped off, beheaded. Other lesser son, lesser mm-hmm. liked son. Well, he uh, still has one more. There's like a 33.33 chance that the daughter <laughs> will turn out okay. True. The the son, um, the second son uh-huh. ends up stealing from him and all these things. Right. He even, and he, unlike the first son where he sends lawyers and things to help him, he actually turns his, his second son in more well, than one time. Well, that's what he learned from the first son. I he guess was so. Like, he was trying to be different. You gonna learn. Right. You You're gonna learn from your mistakes. <laughs> so he turns him in. He cuts him off from the family fortune. Mm-hmm. Eventually, his son is even banished from Bologna. Now, that's pretty harsh, but mm-hmm. I also understand if the dude was ransacking my house, I would probably also cut him off. But his daughter, you mentioned, yeah. right? That we could have some some good moments here. And the truth is, he he really doesn't talk about his daughter very much other than to say- Because there's no tumultuous events. Right, that she was good. She got married to a wealthy and distinguished man, but she was barren. She couldn't have any children. Thing one, of course it's the woman mm-hmm. that is A-okay. Yeah, she's, she's like, please just get me away from this crazy, yeah. crazy family. Okay, so we've talked about his family and his birth, but what about him? Well, we're going to dig into that in our next episode. So excited. It's going to be amazing. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Infinitely Irrational. For more fun, the research, and math behind this episode, visit us on the web at www.infinitelyirrational.com. This episode was edited by Mathematical Expressions. This episode was written and narrated by Mathematical Expressions and K. Research for this episode was compiled by Kay. See you next time!